since Thena never told me this was going to be a two-pada, I was just as shocked as you guys. I really just need to know what happened to Phoebe. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. So last I heard, there was a body in the trash room. I'm gonna say it was with the candlestick. Was it with the candlestick, Thena? Today, the official cause of death is an accident. The investigation into Phoebe's death has drawn significant criticism over the years. An experiment into whether or not Phoebe could have gotten into the shoot herself was never carried out by police. Hey guys, how are you doing tonight? That's good. <laughs> Kylie, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> okay, so you really want to know how I'm doing tonight? Oh god, do I? I don't know. So I'm actually really scared. For what? Okay, so when <laughs> after dinner, right? Me and Corey were watching some YouTube. We were just sitting there. We were watching Saber get some bug off the window. Oh, I heard you yelling. Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's a wasp. We have to get rid of that. And so Corey goes over there and he's looking at it. And I was like, that looks bigger than a wasp. And then I go closer to it and I realize it's a bald faced hornet. Why? What does that mean? <laughs> Give me more context. You lived here the last time we had this issue. Oh. Do you not remember? Nah. Okay, so bald face hornets. They are fucking terrifying. They are the only, like, wasp-type animal thing, bug, that will remember your face and come attack you. Did I tell you about the thing that happened to me as a child no, with the hornet? No, this is my story. Bald face hornets. <laughs> I'm actually terrified to take Saber outside now. Oh, this will make you more scared. No, then I don't want to know. I'll tell you later. I had a bad experience with a wasp or a hornet when I was very, very young. Almost left a scar on me. I'll just tell you. Oh, my God. We're just alluding to it. All right. You know, those like onesies that you wear as a kid that have feet. At one parts also. Oh, no. A hornet or like wasp got trapped in mine with me and my mom zipped it up and she heard me screaming and crying. And my mom thought I was just like throwing a tantrum as a child. No, it like got stuck in my leg. And as she zipped it up, I was moving. So it was pulling the creature like up in my leg and stuff like that. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. So the last time we had this problem, I walked outside. I was taking Saber out and I walked outside. It was, it was morning. Like, so it was like 630 in the morning. And the air just, it didn't feel right. Like something was off. And I like heard things like in, like, you know how you have your like senses. You can tell that things are around you, but you, but you don't know what it, what, you what it are, it, what it is. You can feel it in your jellies as Michael, <laughs> as Ryan Reynolds would say. I don't know where Michael came from. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was feeling it in my jellies. So I ran back inside because I realized things were like flying around me and I shut most of them out. But there was one that was in the house and I was like, fuck, I'm going to be late to work. I don't even care. And I found it and I killed it. And I'm like, these are bald face fucking hornets. And then my stepdad, because I'm a pussy and I wasn't going to do this. My stepdad is a retired fireman. So he came over. And he has all of his fireman gear on, literally all of it. Boots, helmet, everything. Like, they could not touch him. <laughs> and he goes and he, like, cuts the tree down with this big s- scythe 
scythe looking thing and then stomps the hell out of their nest <laughs> and sprays the fuck out of it. So I feel like they're coming for revenge. They're coming for revenge, Athena. I'm so scared. Kylie fails to mention that I'm the one that actually got stung. So hey guys, welcome <laughs> to part two of Phoebe Hansjuck. I'm Athena. <laughs> I'm Kylie. <laughs> that was um an interesting intro that we had tonight. Story time with Kylie of her new fears. No, I'm seriously like I was like decoray i was like it's literally the only bug i'm actually really scared of i heard you screaming about it i heard you could be like come kill it now and i was oh, like so angry oh god i don't know what's in the house but they're gonna kill it i wasn't going to come near it well um on that note let's uh let's dive into today's case because we left everyone hanging and that's not nice that's apparently not nice to do <laughs> um i left kylie hanging and i left all you guys hanging I'm sorry, guys. I just had a lot of things I got to put in this episode, so it had to be a tupada. Tupada. So where we left off at part one, I like pretty much told you what happened, but we need to know what happened in between everything now. So Aunt and Phoebe had this super toxic, wild relationship, and Aunt was showing a lot of lies that he had been telling at this point. But we didn't know they were lies. We just knew they weren't truth yet. Like. We didn't know what was happening and we had some really crappy police work done at this point and things were not being done to protocol standards. Phoebe so far had been found in the trash room. Her body was on the floor in the pool of blood. There was blood on the walls, blood on the door, everywhere. The switch for the comp compactor was not on, but the so, you know, she wasn't compacted, but she was not alive. The blood samples were taken from some places. The body then was finally taken to the hospital and declared dead at 4.35 a.m. on December 20... Oh, ugh. On December 3rd, <laughs> nine hours after being discovered. Potentially, she could have been alive when they first got there, but no one was allowed to check a pulse, do anything. So medics aren't sure, but they can't rule it out. So that's kind of where we left off. Let's uh, keep going. That just makes me so angry. That part of this whole thing just makes me so. Then them not being allowed to go see her. Well, that and then like that's literally their job. Mm -hmm. Like that's literally what they're supposed to do. So we already had the blood samples taken at 4.55 a.m. Now a fingerprint expert had arrived. He was trying to get fingerprints from the chute, the chute room, the compact room and the handle of the chute itself. But here's the weirdest part. There were no fingerprints found on the handle of the shoe or like the area surrounding it. So they did get a fingerprint from the glass on the counter, because remember, there was those two glasses on the, the apartment counter. They also got some fingerprints that didn't actually work out from the blood smears in the room. Then they took photos of the scene and these were added to the notes from earlier that were taken while Phoebe's body was being processed and transported. Now, you got to think about how there's no fingerprints at all on that chute or handle. The thing that she would be opening to throw her body down this, there's no fingerprints on. Wait, you you typed that they did not try to get fingerprints from the glasses on the counter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I misspoke there. They did not get the fingerprints from the glasses they on the counter. They didn't even try. Correct. So 
two glasses and aunt wasn't home. Correct. And remember, there was also the uh, pills that were on the table. Right. So keep that in mind. I'm glad you corrected me there. Thank you. But that just pisses me off more. (laughs) Yeah, there's still some errors happening here. One of the notes they wrote down and mentioned was that when Phoebe was found, her jeans and belt were around her knees, meaning they were like pulled down. So Phoebe did have some rips in her jeans and they didn't coincide with her injuries. I do have a thought about that. Uh, In my mind, they didn't try to put her jeans back on her. So maybe that is true that the cuts and things did not coincide with her, how they had them with her jeans pulled down. But maybe her jeans weren't always pulled down. Maybe when she did the initial coming down the chute and everything, maybe if we pulled the pants up, the, the cuts and bruises would coincide then. But they did not test that. So that is something that's kind of a it might not be an incorrect thing. It might not, but it could. We don't know because it wasn't tested. Well, and this is the time of low risers, right? Or low. Yeah. Low. <laughs> OK, but down to her knees. No, I know. But still, like it, you could have. Like it wasn't a thing to have like tight jeans and stuff like that. So. True, but she did have a belt on. Yeah, and her true. belt was like off. It wasn't even in some of the loops. So that's very interesting. Hmm. She did have with her her favorite Prada sunglasses, and one of the lens was broken out at this point. At five forty a.m., Detective Butterworth had cleared the scene, and he returned to the police station where he started to brief Detective Senior Sergeant Shane O'Connell from the Homicide Squad. At this point in the morning, because it is 5.40 a.m., the police were undergoing a crew change. Since it's no longer the weekend, it's, a, it's daytime on the weekdays. So now the people that have been working this shitty case up to this point are now just like, okay, we're going to head out. We're going to tell you what we do know, and we're going to leave it at that. So now the people coming into this, they haven't even seen anything. They don't know. They're just going by word of mouth. And the word of mouth is coming from people that have been doing a really shitty job. I forgot to bring something up why I talked about the sunglasses. The sunglass thing is because um, people are like her family thinks that that's maybe a sign. She had her sunglasses on with her and such. She was dressed. She had her belt on, things like that. If you remember, the purse had her phone charger in it, her wallet, her keys all together on the counter. That is a potential sign. Maybe she was getting ready to leave. Because why else would you have your sunglasses and stuff on? She wouldn't have had them on just around the house. True. So just that that's why I brought it up, but I forgot to speculate there. So. So as they were going through the crew change, one of the first things the new crew noticed was they were like, oh, there's, you know, cameras. Is there any footage? Now, there is a lot of CCTV footage, but there's a lot of issues with the CCTV footage. We have bits and pieces of it and none of it is like a linear path. And a lot of it from around the time we think she would have gone down the chute is gone. So when police originally got to the hotel, Eric Demarge. The manager. Yes. (laughs) Eric, the manager, had mentioned that they had some issues recently that their like playback wasn't working correctly. And sometimes it would re-record over footage and like tape over itself. And he instantly, when the police got there, he remembered telling the police officers this. And he was like, hey, you know, you guys need to download and watch this footage ASAP because you're going to you're going to lose it. And he told them this. And so did Beth, the receptionist, like everyone remembers telling him this and they all ignored him. 
So the footage ended up getting re-recorded over and lost. Nice. Now, there was supposedly a hard drive that had some of the footage, and that apparently went missing also, according to police. According to the police? Yes. Okay. But but it was never written down that this hard drive existed. So we're going by everything word of the mouth at this point, so far that we know of. So at 11.15 a.m., Natalie, which is Phoebe's mom, Tom, uh, which is Phoebe's brother, best friend, Len, her dad, Nikolai, her brother, then some close family friends all went to the morgue. Aunt didn't go to the morgue, though. He was too sad. He was being taken care of by his mother, and she just said he was too distraught to even come down to the morgue. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. Natalie and Lynn were the people that had to identify the body then. And if you remember also in the last episode, I had mentioned that Lynn had gotten ready and he was waiting by the phone and stuff like that. When he got the phone call that something was wrong, that is something he later talks about. He's like, I was just sitting there ready. I had like gotten ready. I was really hungry. I was in my suit. I was ready for this. It's so sad. So sad. So when Natalie and Lynn did identify the body, they found out that there was going to be an autopsy. And they really actually wanted to object to it because they were like, no, that's going to like tear our young girl apart. Like, we don't want that. She's already been through enough. Don't do it. But they couldn't object to it because it was a police matter and police had the like higher hand here. Then they found out even if they wanted to object and the police weren't in charge, they couldn't because aunt had the rights to her body because he signed himself up as the senior next of kin. At the same time he did that, he also did that because he was the one that was trying to cash out Phoebe's life insurance policy of $113,000. He does later give the life insurance policy over to Tom and Nikolai and he splits it like they get 90% of it and he kept 10%. That's nice. But it was years later, which is kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like he was taunting the family, I guess. I don't really know. Mm. But it was also weird that he did the whole next of kin thing in general because her parents are still alive. Right. Her parents should be her next of kin. Like, not you. And because you guys are in a really terrible relationship. You're not even married. And you guys break up all the time. Yeah. So medical examiner Matthew Lynch. And uh, he was also a homicide detective. and. Uh, nope, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Medical examiner Matthew Lynch and a homicide detective and two forensic photographers, sorry, all of them, began the autopsy together on December 3rd at 12 p.m. It took over three hours, and at the time, they said the injuries coincided with falling down a chute. Her ankle was uh, severed, and the only thing connecting it was a few tendons. Ouch. They said that she would have been unable to stand or put pressure on it, which coincides with the blood smears dragging across the floor in the room. She had head trauma on both sides of her skull and some broken bones. If you do look up the court examinations that I had talked about in the last one that I'll also bring up again in this one, her examination starts on page 49 and goes all the way to page 57. That's how long it is. Talking about all Dang. of her injuries. That's pretty long. That is really long. And to give you an example, uh, in the archives, we have a previous episode about SeaWorld. And I talked about Dawn's injuries. And she had a lot of injuries. And hers was only three pages. 
And this is like almost 10. So a lot of injuries. Phoebe had a blood alcohol level of 0.16, which is more than three times the legal limit. And she had either one or two sleeping pills of Stillnox in her system, which is a prescription sedative. It's also known as Zolpidem. 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 Okay. Now, Stillnox, Ant was prescribed Stillnox. We did talk about Stillnox in episode one because when he came home, supposedly, he said he came home from lunch. She mentioned she had taken the Stillnox. So we do know that to be true. That's where we got that conflicting story where he was like, yeah, I was nervous she was going to do something. So I took the rest of the pills with me. But then his key fob shows he never came there. So that's a little messy also. A little sus. Also in her system was, I'm going to butcher all these words. Quinine. <laughs> Quinine, which is an anti-parasite medicine used to treat malaria. Deloxetine. Deloxetine, <laughs> which is an anxiety and depression medicine similar to Cymbalta. And dextromethorphan. Which is a flu medicine similar to Robitussin. Now, there was that, that container, the pill pocket of Cymbalta on the counter. So I am wondering if maybe the police mislabeled something and maybe either both of these were Dick's, 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 Loxton. Loxetine. Yeah. That one didn't. <laughs> or if maybe both were Cymbalta. I, I do wonder if that's maybe just a slight mistake because they could have maybe... I don't know how different they are, if you could or couldn't tell the difference between them. Well, sometimes you know how you get the, like drugs from Walgreens and they yeah. say similar to or compared to, you know, this. Or if so, maybe if you ran out, you maybe your insurance will let you get a different one like for cheaper or more. Versus. Yeah. So I'm wondering about brand. that. Yeah. But even though all this was in her system and everything, overall, it was said she died from blood loss, which is interesting because, again, that could mean she wasn't dead when we found her. Mm -hmm. She died from blood loss. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the report, her cause of death was also listed as multiple injuries due to the blood loss. Dr. Lynch had given the time of death. Well, he tried to, but when he ended up giving the time of death, he put like from like 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. or something like that. Like he put a very long time frame. It didn't really work what he tried to do but he's like well she had to have died between this point like scientifically he yes yeah. he couldn't get like the temperatures or anything because again they let that body sit there for so long so he couldn't actually get any sort of time and with that being the case that doesn't let us narrow down the window of when she did die now I talked about in part one, I said, put a pin in this, which you are like, you told me to put like nine pens. I don't remember which pen. <laughs> so I said, put a pin in the time when Aunt said that he went and visited her during lunch while she was sleeping, which is what I just talked about a minute ago. When that happened, Aunt had told the police a complete different story. So he said that the first time like she was awake, he came home, she had taken the two still knocks and those were prescribed to Aunt. But he was like, OK, I'm nervous that you're going to do something. So I'm going to take the pills with me back to work and not leave them around. But like I said earlier, the key fob didn't show traces. And I'm only repeating this because I want to remind you guys how Ant's story to us. Well, not us, but like us changes compared to what he tells the police. After the coroner report had came out, people were really confused about another thing. 
So if Phoebe was alive when was because we don't know, we're speculating if she was alive when she got down to the bottom. It's weird because remember in the photos, the trash compactor is set to automatic. So if the trash compactor was on automatic, she would not have survived that. We've right. kind of talked about this before, but we didn't really get into the nitty gritty of it. Because that is essentially saying someone turned it to manual while Phoebe was going down it, near it, down at the bottom, something, and then later flipped it back. But that also leads to a very, very weird thought process. If Phoebe's getting thrown in the trash compactor on the 12th floor, the button is on the first floor. So you're either looking into someone planning ahead of time knowing this or you're looking into more than one person which is an even weirder concept to start thinking about and the reason why this is such a pressing topic to people is because what if there was more than one person now we're this is a full-on murder with multiple people involved but also if it was planned out then this is a full-on planned murder and they knew they were going to have to come back down how did no one notice someone going to and from the trash room? We need to know where the trash room's located. How many times did they pass the front desk? Well, how they would have known if they didn't let the freaking videos go forward and then that too re-recorded over. So on December 7th, we're now five days after the death, Aunt posted on Facebook. The post said, for those of you around the world who don't know the sad news, my partner, Phoebe, struggled terrible depression most of her life. She took her own life on Thursday to ease her pain, to be at peace. There will be a memorial next week. Keep in mind, this is not yet ruled a suicide. So that was his post five days later, but he was too sad to go to the morgue, but he's super chill with posting on his goddamn Facebook wall. Yeah, it's kind of informal. Very odd. On December 8th, Aunt wrote an email to her family. In one part of it, he said he'll permit them to plan the funeral if they want. Okay. He used the word permit. He will permit them. Yeah, you will. <laughs> You're not allowed to be next to Ken, but you can, you can plan the funeral, I guess. Was being next of Ken part of the contract? No. So he just did that randomly. Yep. yep. Aunt said that he can my... do that without her signature. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he can. Well, once she's dead, you can. Um, you have to prove stuff. I don't know. There's a thing that it's called, but it's a certain kind of a relationship. And he proved it by being like, "We've been together over a year. We've been living together over a year. We're this kind of a relationship, and so it counts." But that thing that you're talking about that I can never remember because I always talk about it a lot actually it's seven years not in all countries and things it's less than one year in Australia no it's not a common law marriage I can't think of what it's called but it's this concept where like if they live together and they coexist together and they're not married but they have a life together and it's a word for this type of relationship it's shorter than a common law marriage, though. And that's what they were considered. It's like an estranged, shortened relationship. But the thing is, is it's I'm really sorry. I can't think of the word if I. Is it affinity? No, mm. I don't know. But it's gonna bother me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll I'll look into it more after the episode. I'm sorry. Uh, 
But the concept of this is even with him using this blanket term for their relationship, it's a lie. And everyone that knew Phoebe said this is a lie. They are super miserable together. They break up all the time. They're not happy. They are nowhere near the concept of like getting married and getting prepared to the point where Ant had shown Phoebe that the night that he made her dinner and drew her bubble bath and stuff, supposedly that night, he shooed, <laughs> he showed her that he bought her and him tickets to Paris and that they were going to take a trip to Paris. And Phoebe called one of her friends and was terrified. She's like, what if Aunt proposes to me on that trip? Like, I don't want that. She knew that she Yikes. wasn't prepared. So they were not like progressing in this relationship at this point. If anything, from everything we've heard, we know that Phoebe was trying to get out of this relationship. It was eventually going to just... She probably was hoping it would just fizzle out. But it was not. It was not fizzling. It was burning at both ends. So later that same day, December 8th, Phoebe's death finally was officially ruled a suicide and police thought it was a closed case with zero foul play. Authorities concluded that Phoebe entered the shoot between 12.03 and 7 p.m. That was the time frame of death. At this point, a fellow coroner named Peter White had came onto the scene and he said that she had fallen feet first with both hands by her side. Now we talked about the size of this shoot. That already is very difficult to do. Also, to put yourself in a shoot, both hands by yourself feet first. Think of how difficult that is. And it's a spring latch closing shoot behind you. And it's high up. So there's already... If you're imagining this and you're like, that doesn't seem possible. You're right. It doesn't. <laughs> so police revealed that it was more than likely that Phoebe had survived her fall, but bled to death in the dark trying to crawl around. And she kept knocking over the garbage bins and stuff around the room. Hence why we found the, the knocked over garbage bin. At first, authorities concluded that she might have just sleepwalk into the chute. Because she was on those drugs and, you know, she was drinking. So, you know, she just sleepwalked her way over there. She was sleepwalking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I'm not even trying to laugh, but like, she think about how you sound. Yeah. That's like. <laughs> so they tried to do tests So you can do impossible things when you sleepwalk. That's great. That's good to know. Thanks. Okay. So they did studies on this. You can. There are conclusions of people cleaning their house, driving cars. Mm -hmm. Um, going to work. No, doing I mean, like things. it would be impossible to do it alive. It would be yes. possible to do it awake, let alone sleeping. That's what I was going to say. But the probability of all those things are all super slim still. And the thing is, is this isn't the first time we've heard of Phoebe taking pills or drinking or things like that. So how come this one time after years of doing this, did this happen? She's been doing like, this since 13 like years all old. All of a sudden she's becoming... A new person, <laughs> a sleepwalking person. Well, so when they realized that idea wasn't taking off, they started a new theory. They started to theorize that Phoebe had cut her hand by accident in the kitchen while drinking out of two glasses, I guess. And, and we don't know what she cut her hand on, but she cut her hand on the, that glass that was like broken on the floor and she was trying to clean it up and she got more blood on her computer on that like door handle in the house, on the shelf in the house, things like that. Then she was trying to clean it up and she, with her bleeding hand, took it down the hall, got all the way to the chute, somehow didn't use her hands or anything that creates fingerprints to open the chute, 
tossed the trash down, but then decided <laughs> instead, I'm going to climb in feet first, put my hands down at my side and kill myself while disposing of the broken glass. Because that made more sense than the sleepwalking. So I accidentally posted this shoot on Instagram. I'm sorry. Whatever. But that is not possible. <laughs> it is not possible. Like, We're how is this even? How how are they even trying to stand by this? It is literally not possible for this shoot. <laughs> this is pissing me off. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm laughing because like I'm uncomfortable. I'm getting secondhand embarrassment for the police, like standing up and saying this, like thinking this sounds realistic. Like, are you fucking stupid? So Phoebe ended up having two memorial services. The first one was by aunt and it was held on December 12th. Her family was not allowed to attend it. They were not permitted. Excuse me, what? Yeah. Uh, And some of Phoebe's friends were allowed to go like Bren, her like best friend guy, you know, he wasn't allowed to go, though. Like her lifelong best friend. Some of her other friends did go her. I think it was her kickboxing coach or like her martial arts coach. She went and she was like, I felt sick when I left that because it was like the pictures and everything were like not the Phoebe I knew and loved. They were all like really recent pictures and they were only pictures of her and aunt. They were it was like a memorial for aunt than her and like a girl that she didn't know. She's like, I would not have known that was Phoebe if I did not know. Like she said, I felt sick leaving it. Wow. That's. That's it's so sad. Weird and telling also that yes made this about him again. Right. Then her family held a second one on December 16th. Okay. We have to go into what her family did because Natalie, Lynn, Tom, Nikolai, all of them are heavenly people. This is the cutest thing ever. So on the 17th, she was cremated and her ashes were brought to a lake in Malakuta. Malakuta was where Jeanette, her grandma lived, who remember she loved more than anyone. And this lake was her favorite place to visit whenever she saw Jeanette. So her ashes were taken there and then they were put on a handmade wooden Viking boat that Lynn made himself with his hands that he like went overseas and went to his grandfathers and stuff and had them teach him how to make a wooden boat. He did it, brought it home, put the ashes in it. Then everyone that loved her was able to add letters, photos and everything And then they topped the whole boat with a giant layer of marigold flowers because they were happy and beautiful, just like Phoebe. And then they sent it off into the water. I love it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's so precious. There were speeches that were given. I actually called my mom when I was listening to some of the speeches. This is funny and stupid. Uh, Jeanette gave a speech. And in the middle of it, she's talking about like memories she has and stuff. And she's like, You were always a wild, rambunctious child. You were fearless. You were invincible. You were Xena, the warrior princess. (laughs) And my mom tells this story all the time about me as a child running around and I would be ridiculous. And whenever my mom would be like, stop doing that or like quit being crazy, I would always be like, I can't stop, mom. I'm Xena, warrior princess. And would like (laughs) scream it. And I was just like, oh, Phoebe. Like it really hit home for a minute then because I was like, she... Oh, my God. Like, she wasn't much younger than us. And uh, it was so sad when I heard that part. Well, you would think that that was the end, but we are not even near the end because you'd be like, why the fuck's this episode so short? (laughs) Now we're just getting started, actually. (laughs) So December 22nd. Now we're a little bit later. We're at the end of the month. And the boyfriend and Natalie, the mom, actually met for coffee. 
So Natalie wanted to get some things of Phoebe's. So they met for coffee and they talked about Phoebe's final days. During the meeting was when Natalie requested that she wanted to keep some of this stuff, you know, like important stuff. Aunt said he would just give her everything they didn't jointly own. He he would just give it away. Which is kind of weird, but okay. Mm -hmm. So when Natalie got this box that she asked for with all these things in it, like literally half the stuff she asked for was just missing. Things that were missing was her birth certificate, her passport, her most current journal she was writing in, her Medicare card, her laptop, and her camera. All very important things. Very important things. Also things that you would utilize in your last few days, probably, and would show signs. Yeah, especially if it was a suicide. Yeah. So Natalie called up Aunt and she's like, um, you know, like, what the fuck, my man? I thought we were cool. Give me a box of nothing. Yeah, like I we got coffee. We talked. I I bought you a caramel macchiato. What the fuck (laughs) happened here? So Aunt had an excuse for literally everything. He's like, well, the documents are missing. The journal's missing, too. And the police took the other stuff, like the laptop and camera and all that. I don't even have it. I can see the laptop and camera. Yeah. Being an actual thing. Well, if the police did their job, I could have, too. (laughs) They didn't, remember. (laughs) That's true. So at this point, Natalie, like, looks into that, which leads to everyone getting questioned by the police again. During this new questioning, they asked Aunt about the whole text thing regarding Lynn. And like how Aunt replied one minute later, remember, from part one. But the phone was at the repair store, remember? You remember all that? Yeah. Okay. Well, during this version of the questioning, Aunt's story all of a sudden changed. He's (laughs) like, well, you know, I don't remember what day I took the phone to get repaired. Now, in part one, I made the joke that I sounded like Elle Woods, where I kept repeating like, So you got in the shower, you got a perm and then you got in the shower. You showered after getting your perm. But I did it with the word Wednesday. I was like, so Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. Yeah. Well, he's like, yeah, I think I took the phone in on Thursday. (laughs) And he's like, oh, yeah, I did. Because, you know, otherwise the tomato soup text, you know, because otherwise he would have sent that. And that was the weird thing was the tomato soup text. Mm. happened hours after he took the phone so he's like no it might have been thursday actually was what he went on record saying since then in the court transcripts he changed it from wednesday to thursday interchangeably as it suits him and no one's been like hey can you fucking get your shit straight here my man like nothing no one says that nope (laughs) okay and there is no 100 evidence that the phone was in the repair shop But during one of the later court interviews, Ant's dad produced a receipt. And remember, he works for the judicial system. Right. Ant's dad produced a receipt that he gave to the police showing that Ant picked the phone up on the repair from the repair place on December 7th after Phoebe was already deceased. So he's like, no, look, it's credible. Her phone was there. But, like, wouldn't it not be credible unless it came from the business? I would assume that. And also, that feels like, with her phone not really having anything actually wrong, I feel like that's also a really long time for her phone to be in the place. Yeah. From, like, the 2nd to the 7th? I don't know. And also, I feel like the police would have looked into that. They would have asked millions of times, like, where's the phone at? We'll pick up the phone. (laughs) You're right. These policemen. So, some police officers have a new story. 
they say they completely remember seeing Phoebe's iPhone in the apartment the night that she died. So it wouldn't have been at the repair shop at that time at that time. But they didn't put that on record. So we can't use it as evidence. And since they didn't close off the crime scenes, we can't say for sure whether this is true or not. So out of all the things that you take pictures of at crime scenes, <laughs> you're telling me that the number one thing that is glued to everyone's hip every single day wasn't the one thing that they took a picture of. And the fact that they already thought it was shady, she had two phones. And if you saw a phone there, why wouldn't you have taken a picture of the phone? And if you know that this man's telling you that she didn't have her phone on her and stuff, you're not going to take it. Mm, okay. So whether the receipt is true or the police are true, neither one we can use as evidence and neither one are even allowed in court. Convenient. Now, during the court inquest, police asked, did you, aunt, did you, aunt, forward Phoebe's messages to your phone or something? Is that how you knew when her dad called her? Because you returned the call so quickly. And aunt's reply was, he couldn't remember if he did that or not. And they were like, okay. If you don't remember, what, what are we going to do? Okay. <laughs> so. I feel like this case involves not being able to hide money. I just feel like this case sounds Judge Judy could have done this case. She would have known. She'd been like, aunt, you're guilty. Go. I could have done this fucking case. <laughs> now, I keep I've mentioned the two phones a million times, and I think I put this in part one. I'm going to re-clarify what happened. So the retired Victoria police detective named Roland Legg, he mentioned it in the court transcripts, the concept of the two phones. He said she had two phones, an iPhone and a Nokia phone. Extraordinarily, the Nokia phone has never been located. There are a lot of strange contradictions that could have been pursued, but weren't. So now you're getting the first hearing of that the Nokia wasn't recovered. Wait, a lot of strange contradictions? Yes. To having... No, to the whole police case in general. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was confused because I thought it was like specifically about the Nokia phone. No, he's just talking about the whole thing in general. Okay, I understand. So we talked about the whole reason why Phoebe had two phones, you know, because Aunt had bought her the iPhone because he wanted her to have bougie shit. But then she had the Nokia and it was her own plan and stuff. But she was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to transfer the numbers over, remember. But the Nokia was never found. So we at least know where the iPhone is and what happened to it, supposedly, whether it was where it was. <laughs> supposedly. But the Nokia, we have no, no clue. Now, the Nokia phone record shows that the Nokia phone had made a call to Aunt the day that she died, and the call connected for 13 seconds. Aunt says he can't explain this, and he is adamant they did not speak and that this phone call did not happen. Of course he is. Again, records. <laughs> So the phone was not the only fishy thing about technology that we need to discuss. Phoebe's computer was not seized by the police. Now, do you remember where aunt told the mom the computer was? Uh, yeah. With the, okay. With the police. <laughs> that now, wasn't seized. The blood that was tested on it was a positive 100% ID match for Phoebe. So we do know the blood that was in the apartment was Phoebe's and the blood that was like, on the, the keyboard, at least, was like Phoebe's. Okay. But when Phoebe's family did eventually get access to her laptop later, because eventually at some point it does go to the police, and then Phoebe's family gets it back. But it was not when they had said. Now, 
they found that all of her outgoing emails and all of her search history had been deleted. Of course. Of course it has. <laughs> but remember, like, Ant used her computer. He said he was searching the internet while waiting for his takeout from the Golden Triangle because he was trying to figure out what happened. Right. So why would he have been searching it if, you know, there had been nothing on it for the past few months, supposedly? Right. It gets worse, though. The second phone, the iPhone, the iPhone SIM card went missing. Supposedly, a a detective had told Anthony to just keep it and Ant got to keep the SIM card. So the phone had no evidence we could use on it. Remember how I said that you can't hide money? (laughs) So. You would think all this is really annoying. You ready to hear another really great thing? Yeah, I'm so ready. Ant wrote his own police report. When he was there in the police station, he was like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're not going fast enough. You're doing it wrong. Like, do, do you want me to just do you want me to do it? I'll, I'll just do it myself. And they were like, OK. Now, I <laughs> I'm not a police officer. Shocking, I know. But that's not how it works. You mean having the one of the victims or one of the um, potential murderer? Right. <laughs> uh, do your job. Yeah. No, that's not how that works. Now we're rewinding for a minute. On December uh, 7th, 2010, homicide detectives and courts agreed due to the autopsy, there would have been no second party involved in Phoebe's death. This is when I mentioned the whole uh, no foul play thing. So they went on record at this point saying that she entered the shoe feet first voluntarily. But when that information came out, Detective Senior Constable Brendan Payne of the South Melbourne 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 criminal investigation unit god imagine fitting all that on a business card i know just like wow it just keeps going i felt like that sentence was so long and i didn't even get to the sentence it wasn't even the sentence (laughs) it was just the the man's name okay we're gonna redo that so you guys can hear all the words oh my god detective senior constable brendan payne of the south melbourne criminal investigation unit and lynn Phoebe's grandfather, who was retired from doing that kind of stuff. Remember, he was a retired detective named Detective Sergeant Lauren Campbell. They didn't believe the story, so they wanted to start their own inquiry. Senior Detective Brendan Payne, I shortened it, (laughs) and um, Lauren Campbell have worked for over two years. And Lauren is Len, by the way, I remember. They've worked for over two years to attempt to unravel the unexplained mysteries of what happened to Phoebe. They, they I'm have gone on this. Because you you typed Phoebe's grandfather and then you're saying that it's her father. Oh, did I say father? I meant grandfather. It's her. You, it's, said, you said father twice. No. Did I, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's her grandfather the whole time. I don't know what the fuck's happening to me. Lynn is her father. Lauren is her grandfather. Leonard is her father. Yes. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening. I'm you got it. YOLOing my shit over here. <laughs> Okay, Lauren, the grandfather. On January 28th, 2011. So now we're a month-ish past all this has happened. The detectives and Phoebe's friend, Sarah, her grandfather named Lauren, the grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Not Len. No, not Len at all. (laughs) And uh, they, they all get together and they're like, hey, Lauren, since you're that former detective 
with 34 years of police experience, you obviously know what we should and shouldn't do here. Why don't we test this whole thing out and see if it's even possible to do what the police are saying that Phoebe did to herself? So they go to the apartments, the Valencia apartments, and they strap Sarah into a harness and they're like, OK, Sarah, here's what you're going to do. You're going to open the chute. Specifically, you cannot use your hands or get fingerprints anywhere on the chute or near it. And then you have to put your body in feet first with your arms to your side and slide down it. Go. Well, first off, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> I could never, especially if you yeah. knew your friend died this way. Like right. the trauma. Yeah. Go, Sarah. She's a boss ass bitch. What is that phrase that I always forget? Bo- boss, babe, babe, bo- boss, boss, bitch, bitch, babe, queen. Boss, babe? Is it boss, babe? For what? I don't know. That thing that people on the internet say. Boss, babe. Boss, babe. Go, Sarah, boss, babe. <laughs> I'm a boomer. Wow. <laughs> boss, babe means like you're a, um, like a work from home, like pyramid scheme type person. Oh, I thought it meant you're the boss, babe. You're doing great. I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds can. good. A lot of times it's like <laughs> everyone from uh, the pyramid schemes. Oh, no, babe. Sarah's not that. Sarah's. A badass Coolio. bitch. Badass bitch. <laughs> so the garbage chute on the outside. Let's let's talk metal for a minute. We're going to go to my neck of the woods. Things I actually know here. So the garbage chute on the outside was stainless steel on the door and the frame. It was galvanized on the inside. Now, I don't know who knows the difference. So galvanized steel contains steel or carbon steel, which is covered by zinc coating. And stainless steel is made up of two separate metals that are mixed together. Due to this, stainless steel will track all your fingerprints and everything. The chute has an internal weld seam down the middle of the chute, and it's not an HSST styling, meaning a hollow structured square tubing style to where it is a piece of plate that is bent together to create a square and then has a seam through it. It is instead like a rolled piece with a seam through it. And it is gonna have abrasive points where this weld hits so essentially you gotta think there's a fucking weld seam that her skin her pants her shirt her body is going to keep getting caught on at small parts it's not a 100 seamless square that she's sliding down it's a very small area that has like rigid edges yes like a ridge edge in the yeah. middle okay and also the stainless steel on the outside it tracks every single thing that touches it stainless steel is so difficult to not get fingerprints marks on scratches nicks gouges any of that on it it, like to give you an example i bought 23 pieces of stainless steel last week and i had to send 21 of them back because literally it rained and the rain messed them up rain (laughs) rain water (laughs) something so fucking trivial so these obviously get hurt very easily now they're even more confused what i do for a living it's great so the shoot was 12 stories high and it was at 40 meters which who the fuck knows what that is because we live in america so it was 132 (laughs) feet yeah I listen to podcasts on other countries sometimes and I'm like, the fuck does that mean? Hold on. Actually, when you said 40 meters, I instantly thought of 42 meters down. You mean 47 meters? 40, 
Seven. Forty. The Mandy Moore movie? Yes. Fucking terrifying. <laughs> I watched that movie in the middle of the night alone one time. Why would you do that? And I started like, actually, I wasn't alone. The person was sleeping and I started like. <sighs> Hyperventilating? Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. And you just, it's one of those movies where everything is underwater. So you feel like, like I get anxiety when I'm watching an underwater movie. Yeah. Because I can breathe and they can Oh my can't. God. Did you ever watch that one movie? <laughs> Fuck. Well, now I'm going to forget what it's called. It's one of my all-time favorite underwater movies. You know what my favorite water movie is? What is it? Waterworld. What is that? What? You've never seen Waterworld? No. I love that movie. Okay, well, the movie I'm thinking about has... um, All I can think of is The Descent, and I know it's not that. Um, But it is... Uh, maybe the movie I'm thinking of is The Descent. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's Sanctum. Oh, I've it, never heard of that. Sanctum is from 2011, and it has the guy that ends up being the creep from the first Purge movie, Rise Wakefield. Anyways, this movie is all about people that go spelunking, and then it rains them in, and so they're like, the only way out is to keep going further down to come back up. And there's this one part of the movie that makes me so fucking terrified now. It's called The Meat Grinder, and I didn't know what meat grinders underwater are, but it's where the water's turning so fast that if you fall on it, it grinds your bones and stuff and kills you. And someone falls in the meat grinder, obviously, in the movie. I don't like that. Ugh. It's a really stressful movie because it starts off with like 12 movie. people and you're like, I don't think any are going to make it out. Nope. And you don't know what's going to happen. Oh, it's so stressful. So go watch Sanctum, guys, and I'll fucking talk to you about that movie because that movie scarred me when I was in college. Yeah. My mom and I talk about it all the time. She's right now like, oh, I love that movie. While listening. <laughs> P.S. The Descent is uh, something we talk about in our phobias episode back in the older episodes. I feel like you've talked about that movie a couple times. I can just always relate something to an old episode. It's it's kind of a talent. Okay, <laughs> moving back on. So we talked about the concept of what it essentially looked like metal wise. Now we are talking about the 40 meters. I'm going to restart this paragraph just so you guys don't get lost where I'm at. The chute was 12 stories high at 40 meters, which is 132 feet, which is twice the length of a bowling alley. Just to give you a clarification of how long that would be. It's a it's a pretty long one. The chute was narrow. It measured 14.5 inches by 8.6 inches. That's very small, very, very small, very tiny to fit in this. I'm trying um, to think of what I could. I was trying to look it up and it said that when Sarah did the descent, like down this thing, that Sarah was a size three and she was almost the same size as Phoebe. So in my mind, probably a size three is what fits down this. Yeah, probably. Which that also does not sound like a very big trash bag. I have I have bigger pizza boxes than that that I need to throw down the trash. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. The door was spring loaded, meaning that when you opened it with the handle, it would stay open while your hand was like holding open. The moment you let go, it's going to go and like slam shut. Like, right. You know what I'm doing with my hands in this moment with the sound. So it's slam shut and the opening would be very difficult to open because of it being heavy with the spring load while drunk and on still knocks. And while trying to be careful and while trying to put your feet in. And not and touching not, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not so. touching it. <laughs> now, there's nothing on the ground or wall that she could have stand, stood on or climbed on to get into the shoe also. 
the shoe is pretty high up. It to me definitely looks like chest height. Yeah. Yeah. But remember, Phoebe is an avid climber. She's a good martial artist. She's very flexible and stuff. It is not impossible. Sarah and them were able for her to do it, but it was difficult and it took her a long time, they said. Now, once actually in the shoe, Sarah said the door hit her in the back super hard and actually caused bruises. So was there bruises on Phoebe's back is your first thought, right? Mm-hmm. No, there was not any presented in the autopsy. Because this bitch didn't jump down the fucking chute. Now, this test, the police were like, yeah, this proves nothing. <laughs> that, that doesn't help. So then the creator of the shoot, Neil Bone, was like, no, you're not going to start slandering my shit. I'm proud <laughs> of the stuff I make. This bitch didn't kill herself using my shit. Nope, we're going to fucking solve this right here, right now. So he tried showing police evidence that, like, you couldn't spring load this. You couldn't put your body in like that. It wouldn't work. That like even the the on and off button downstairs, like none of this would have worked correctly. And the police were like, yeah, no, that that uh, that's cool and all. But no. But the police were like, if you really want to prove to us that it's not possible, how about you recreate an exact replica and we'll figure out if it's possible. Now, keep in mind, they literally did the exact experiment at the exact place it happened. And the police still didn't ad- ad- like. Right, so how is a replica even... So they're like, make an exact replica using the same materials, the same concept, every single thing the same. And then we'll test it out. Because it's not any different than the one that they tested? No. So they did that, though. They built a whole nother one and everything, and it was videotaped by Neil Bone, the creator, and Hans Juck, the, the grandfather, Lorne, and they put it on the Phoebe's Fall website, so you can watch it and the girls look very nervous, but you can tell they're like putting on a brave so that they can get to the bottom of this. So on February 18th, that's when they had the, the fake shoot. Lauren, Sarah, Natalie, Russell, Jeanette and Viv, which is another one of her friends. So Sarah and Viv are the friends, the mom, the grandpa, the like stepdad, essentially, and the grandma are all there. Right. Now, Sarah managed to get into the chute, but she struggled trying to slide down it, especially with her arms at her side. She couldn't do it at all. Once she would get her hands down to her side, she said she couldn't move. But if she put her hands up above her head, she could move, but it was still a struggle and she was getting caught. Viv managed to get in, but she had to severely struggle. And when she got in, as she was trying to slide down, the bolts on the chute were breaking especially with how she had to get into the chute when you're trying to put your weight on it like that the bolts in the chute would break and the metal was warping slightly none of the people could do it without leaving fingerprints though yeah because you can't fucking touch it that's the one thing this also showed something when viv tried to do it without leaving fingerprints she tried doing it a different way than sarah and she was trying to kind of like hold herself in there again she would have had to do this with her hands above her head though but she tried doing it this other way and like putting her hands on the back side like almost holding it open from inside if that kind of makes sense now fingerprints weren't taken from the outside in a sense but let alone from the inside so we don't know about that but it hurt viv's fingers and she smashed her fingers doing this so if that was the case phoebe would have had injuries to her hands 
and she didn't. So that's not possible either. So if she did it the other way, though, then she would have had fingerprints. Well, bruises on her back. Yeah. Too. Essentially. And neither of these happened. So then Lauren asked Russell, which is the stepdad. It was Russell looked so uncomfortable when he asked him to do this. He's like, hey, can you mimic being one of these girls' boyfriends, picking them up, throwing them down the chute as if they're unconscious? Like, keep in mind, these people like loved Phoebe. Like they are. Yes. The most. So, you know, Russell picks up one of the girls. Oh, my gosh. Tosses her down the chute. It works well. Surprisingly, almost amazing. But that didn't start any new inquests, anything. Police didn't think this was important. And it was still said it was a suicide only. Okay, so the one thing that I kept thinking of and like have kept it to myself this whole time is like her jeans and her belt were like ripped and like her jeans were down. Yes. Which makes me think that she went down the chute upside down. Because the friction, the friction on the metal. The, yeah, the friction going all the way down. I'm sorry. And then you misunderstood me. Her jeans were ripped like fashion ripped. Like they had rips in them, like fashionally. Like, that's cool. I like your ripped jeans, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so they were still around her waist. But they were around like her knees. Her pants and her belts were. Belts, belt, one belt, belt. I don't right. know why. So, yeah, they... But you're saying they would have slipped down. She's going down feet first. So you're saying she would have had to go down head first and her pants jimmy down her body as she's sliding down the chute. Yeah, because it's a fucking tight squeeze. Correct. Meaning that or. And well, and you said that some of the loops were gone. Yes. Which makes me think that they some could of them have gotten, gotten caught, caught on the little thingy thingy. The yes. Whatever you called it. Being well, seem scientifically <laughs> correct over there. <laughs> Welder. <laughs> Weld seam. <laughs> no, you called it something else. So. Okay. Or maybe you were just calling it a seam. I think it was just saying weld seam. Yeah, whatever. That thing. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm laughing now. You being scientifically. Okay. Says the bitch who knows every I was gonna say, medical me, term. Me, I was just going to say, give me a medication name. Uh, I knew one thing for once and it's HSSTs. And metal, and you're like, God, Athena. <laughs> okay, so returning back to where we were, the police just didn't care about any of this new information that was being brought up, even though it was all making very big, like, points, and everyone was noticing it. Then, late February 2010, so now we're about to, um, I'm so sorry, that was a mistake. Um, late February 2011. Now we're a little over two months past this has happened. Someone came forth and they were like, hey, uh, I have something to say about the day Phoebe was found. They were a witness that lived in the apartments and they saw a stranger at 4 p.m. who was a stocky male figure carrying some sort of an object. He got in the elevator. He pressed 12 without a key fob. So essentially he was buzzed up by someone on the 12th floor. And that was the last they saw of this person. Hmm. They tried getting CCTV footage of this and they posted a photo of what they thought this person would look like, but no one admitted to who post uh, buzzed this person in and no one ever came forward that it was them. 
it's been kind of rumored that might have been like a drug deal or something, or maybe she was getting drugs or something because Phoebe did have a drug issue. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be the craziest thing. Or it could have just been like a delivery person or something. We don't know. But it is very interesting that it took so long for this person to come forward that we can't figure it out. Anything. While Payne was searching, a lot of new evidence was coming to light. They were overlooking photos from the coroner report and they noticed bruises on the body that weren't even put into the coroner report. Like the what? 10 page yes. coroner report. So they were like, can we have a new autopsy? Oh, my goodness. So. During this autopsy, they noticed there's a piece of paper in Phoebe's pocket with a phone number and the name Tina Smith on it. Up to this point, no one had found this fucking piece of paper in Phoebe's pocket. I cannot deal with this. So the evidence wasn't brought up to the police for over seven months. Seven months. (laughs) The number didn't lead anywhere. The name seemed like a fake name. No one in Phoebe's life could track down anyone with that name, a similar name or anything. They did eventually trace the phone number to a burner phone from Greensboro, but it came up with nothing. Where's Greensboro? Somewhere else in Australia. It's in Australia? Yeah. Okay. It's a nearby suburb, but I I don't know how nearby. I don't know how far. I don't know that much. Okay. Um, But essentially, that's going back to the whole, it could have been a drug dealer. We don't know. March 10th, 2011, Payne went back to the Valencia apartments and he issued a warrant for all the technology devices in the apartment because police had not done this for the past four months. So this is when police actually officially did that. Because remember, I earlier talked about like the family getting it at a later point and everything. So he got Phoebe's computer at that point and he noticed it was odd because Phoebe's computer was wiped to the point where this computer looked like it had not been used before October of 2010. Now, Phoebe died in December. And that day, remember, someone had received an email from her. Mm hmm. So she was clearly using her computer, but it had been wiped. They also got a warrant to get Ant's computer, but there was nothing suspicious on it at first. But then something came up, which it's not illegal, but it's not good looking. So Payne and Hansjuck noticed that there was a downloaded file On October 19th, 2010, there was a downloaded file from October 19th, 2010. And this file is the coroner's office form number 25. Aunt had downloaded this over two months before Phoebe had died. And this form is the form used in the coroner's office to legally release the body and become the next of kin. That thing that he did. That looks... So bad. (laughs) Super bad. So Payne's next step was to go to the iPhone repairman again. But at that point, he realized there's no record of timestamp when Amp brought the phone in. There's just the receipt that magically exists. But there's no time on the receipt, no date on the receipt, anything. Nothing in there, computer log, anything. I don't know what kind of shady business this is. That's not, yeah. (laughs) Especially if you, like, work for a technology-themed company. I feel like that's wrong. (laughs) Payne was starting to run out of things he could get information of because the phones, the computers, the key fobs, CCTV, everything was getting wiped at this point or like not coming up with answers. On June 10th, 2012. So we are two years past now. That was the first time the police took a statement from Eric, the hotel manager who was there that day and found the body with Beth. 
Excuse me, what? <laughs> Two years later. Well, he wasn't there. Well, he wasn't he wasn't there to find the body. But remember, he showed up right when Beth called and he showed up the same time as the police. I'm so he was there when the paramedics showed up and weren't even allowed in. Right. And he knew Phoebe firsthand personally. And remember, he knew she would she was acting sluggish. Yeah. When she found out about the bicycle thing. Right. And they waited over two years to talk to him. Okay. In 2013, so now we're three years late, a full inquest into Phoebe's death was held because her mother personally raised $50,000 to cover it. And so they were like, okay, we're willing to do it then since you're going to pay for it. At this point, her ex, Anthony Hample's attorneys, objected to the notion that she was murdered and coroner Pete White testified that she sleepwalked in the shoot herself again. And he also was on their payroll. Right. Because you can't hide money. <laughs> Kylie, is that your catchphrase today? Yes, you can't hide money. Channel 9's under investigation had conducted an experiment with a model named Danielle, who was the same height and weight as Phoebe, and she wore similar clothes, and she tried to fit herself into an exact replica of the shoe years later also. After multiple failed attempts, she eventually was able to climb inside the 22-centimeter latched area but only with her arms directly above her head. 22 centimeters is still bigger than what it was, though. Isn't it? That's a lot of math. I can't do that. Okay, whatever. So the retired Victorian police detective Roland Leg again gave us another little, little, uh, what is it called? Quote of information. I'm going to have Kylie read it. One of the major problems, apart from the dimensions, is that the door comes up against your lower back and jams you in. So trying to maneuver yourself is then not helped by the fact that there is nothing to grip onto. And on top of that, whatever Phoebe had in her system at the time would have made it even more difficult. So literally, he's confirming everything we've all been saying. Right. And this is one of the police detectives of the area. Like, literally would have made it impossible. Listen to your own co-workers, y'all. So on December 10th, 2014. My goodness. We're just, <laughs> we're trucking <laughs> along. <laughs> yep. The inquest concluded in Anthony Hample's favor, and the death was still ruled an accident, and that Phoebe was just on sleeping pills and alcohol. She stumbled in a confused manner to her own death, not aware of it. The pathologist at the time made comments saying the marks on her neck and upper arms that were found on Phoebe could coincide with handprint marks, though. But it's still an accident. Wait, did you hear that new thing I just threw in there? Yeah. What? Oh, the fuck? <laughs> Isn't that wild? They're like, oh, yeah, she might have like some choke marks or like hand marks on her. But again, still an accident. No one helped. That's a very interesting twist of events that we just threw in here. So nonchalant. <laughs> like, hey, this is. And instead of doing anything about it, they just glazed over it like I did. This is coinciding, but, you know, yep. no big deal. No biggie. So when Phoebe did die, it shocked everyone because they were like, what the fuck? This doesn't just happen. No one just falls down a trash chute on accident to kill themselves, right? Wrong. Which also, like, how? <sighs> okay. You're so sad and you want to kill yourself. Is that the first thing you think of? Well, I have examples of it, actually. 
months before this happened, because this rocked Australia, it actually happened in the U.S. So hers was on December 2010. But in August, on August 12th, 2010, a 30 year old man named Harsh Kumar plunged himself down a trash chute in Park Charles High Rise Baltimore Apartments. That's weird, right? Because you just said that's a weird way to kill yourself. Okay, weirder. 2011, the same building, a girl named Emily Howes, 23 year old, killed herself the exact same way in the exact same building. Fucking weird, right? It's haunted. It's haunted. But police were quiet about the investigations in there in these events because they didn't have much to go on at first. But we do know the Kumar one happened just months before, right? He was drinking and taking Ambien, which is a brother of Stillnox. I wonder if that was on the news. I wonder if anyone heard of it. I wonder if it sparked some ideas. Mm. Copycat killers, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Residents were frightened after the double death in Baltimore, and they demanded better security and lighting. But there was considerable debate over whether anyone could fall into a shoe accidentally because they were talking about how there's a heavy door that slams shut on the springs, so this couldn't be an accident. It has to be a suicide. Well, and that's why they created the spring. So So they said it either has to be a suicide and be 100% intentional, or someone would have had to help them, but they knew that no one had helped them. These people were suicidal. There was reasonings. So they knew it wasn't accidental. So we are concluding that this can't be an accidental thing, is what you are saying. However, with Phoebe, apparently all things are different. So both people went down the chute head first, which is weird because everyone up to this point has said Phoebe had to have gone feet first. So that's just kind of interesting. That is very interesting. Now, there's a seven hour window. We're, we're done talking about Baltimore. We're back in Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> um, we're back in Australia. We're talking about Phoebe now. I just wanted to post that whole part because it's just very odd timing and very odd the circumstances that wrap around that and Phoebe. So there's a seven hour window where Phoebe could have died, right? No one can pinpoint the exact time. But Ant and his lawyers went on record saying that he was not home with Phoebe at all or even in the apartment with Phoebe on that day. So he couldn't have been anywhere near her when she was dying, dead or deceased type thing. Right. Right. Okay. So here's the court transcript from the inquest of death court hearing. There's three bullet points I'm going to talk about when I'm done with them. I'll let you know. Point one. A computer analysis conducted by Mr. Alexander Robinson, a digital forensic analyst from Victoria Police E-Crime Unit, established the new iMac files were created at 12.01 and 12.02 that day using GarageBand musicians. Now, this is Thena talking outside the transcript. We know that Phoebe was using the computer that day, but remember, we don't have a lot of the files that were done, but we also know Phoebe was super creative. So those files were more than likely Phoebe's files. Bullet point two, back to the transcript. There was recorded activity again at 2.19 PM, which could have been automated rather than a result of human interaction with the computer. But later files were created at 6.19 PM, 7.01 PM, 7.39 PM and 7.40 PM. I note here that Anthony is recorded by the door swiping technology 
returning to the building and entering the building car parking lot at 6.09 p.m. Okay, Athena time again. So the 2.19 p.m. is the email that was sent, and now they're saying that it could have been an automated email, so that's something that we must know. But we're saying that Ant got home at 6.09, and the next file was created at 6.19. Now, Phoebe was not found dead until after 7, so we're, we're concluding something here, if you guys don't hear. The third bullet point. These materials, when considered together with all the rest of the evidence, established to my satisfaction that Phoebe must have entered the shoe at a point in time between 12.03 p.m. and a minimum, if not less than seven minutes before 7.09 p.m. I further note that Phoebe's private Gmail account was still open when Anthony returned to the apartment. Because remember, he started searching the computer and stuff. That's the end of the court transcript. Now, the body was not found until after 7 p.m. Ant's key fob went off around 6 p.m. So, Ant's lawyers are saying there's no way that Ant would have seen her. That's an hour they could have been together, and that's an hour that's within the time slot of her time of dying. Mm-hmm. Sus. <laughs> so, no one checked any of Phoebe's vitals when they got there, remember? There's the potential she could have been alive, just on the brink of death, and she could have still not made it but they wouldn't even give the paramedics opportunity to do their job i would have barged yeah fuck you i am checking these there's like that's my job like how like that girl did in that movie that we all just recently saw ambulance no i wasn't gonna spoil it for people oh (laughs) that's why i purposely that's her job well yeah she works for an ambulance that is in the trailer (laughs) No. Yes, it is. You don't know when it comes in the... All in all, it seems very fishy. Not the movie, this. So we still don't have answers, and it's been almost 12 years at this point. Then, every time it sounds like I'm done, I got got a little something more to say. A little something, something. Do you see why this couldn't be one? This this is wild. definitely could not have been one. In 2016, so now we're six years later, a photograph was posted on Facebook. It's showing a smiling Phoebe with a like woman whose arms around her and stuff. And she looks like really happy. Both women look really like just wholesome. The photograph and the message were posted from the Facebook account of Christina Hample, the older sister of Aunt. The caption was this. In loving memory, I just stumbled across my favorite pic of beautiful Phoebe. I miss you, darling. You were a fragile little flower that no one watered. You and your family were let down by the justice system and those who represent it. I only hope that one day the truth will come out so that they may have some peace. I saved this. I saw it on Google. I have it for you also. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, that's, again, very telling, I feel like. Um, yes. If your own family is like posting things like that against you. Okay. Now we're going to move on to 2018. We're still not done. You were a fragile little flower that no one watered. Yeah, that's too sad. I'm just going to move on. <sighs> Stop. She's a little better with words than tomato soup, I will say. A little bit. <laughs> so in June of 2018, there were some changes that were made by the Attorney General of the Victorian government. That's the Australian government. They introduced new laws in Australia that made a huge difference with this case. 
other cases too, but specifically this case for sure. Part of this is honestly thanks to the Phoebe's Fall podcast because they just kept pointing it out and like it got noticed by enough people. So Phoebe's family wanted to challenge the coroner's findings, but due to them being questionable, like because they thought they were questionable findings and they wanted to appeal it, but they weren't able to. So what happened was the Phoebe's Fall podcast covered this and they talked to Lauren, the grandfather, and they were like, okay, like, how would this affect the Phoebe's case if things go go on and change? And it's in the new laws episode of Phoebe's case of the Phoebe's Fall podcast. And it's from June 22nd, 2018. If you want to listen to it, I suggest listening to the whole thing. If you love this case, it will teach you everything that we know. It's crazy and it's not very long. It's amazing. So here's the things that were changed. I'm paraphrasing to make it as honestly simple as I can because I had to listen to it at least 10 times to understand it. I even read it three times. I don't understand it. Laws are really difficult to understand. So I'm Michael Scotting it here. Okay. Okay. So essentially four things got changed. Number one, the length of the time the family can lodge an appeal is lengthened. That helps Phoebe's case a lot. It wasn't lengthened a ton. I think like it was 30 days. It's now 90, something like that. But like it, it definitely changes things. Number two, the weight of evidence can now be challenged. So if you can point that a coroner is making an error in evidence or something like that, or that the coroner report isn't lining up with things, you can challenge it and open up a case reinvestigation. So literally everything that. So that's a huge, huge deal. Everything that was brought up afterwards. Uh huh. Now we can finally like fight it because it used to be only like other medical coroners could fight it or like only police could have fought it or something. I don't know who all could have fought it, but only a few people can. Now we're opening it up to like everyone. So part three, families can now appeal to a coroner to change the wording and some findings. It does not change the actual finding or reasoning for the finding, but changes how it was worded or described. This helps with final records showing a better picture for family of a lost loved one sometimes. That one's a little confusing the more like you hear it, but essentially like if a coroner puts something really aggressive suicidally in there or something like that, you can have them kind of just change it to sound less aggressive so that then also as it's looked over over the years, it doesn't look as bad on the family. It doesn't look as bad on their memory of this person, things like that, which sounds really kind of um, like they're only thinking about themselves but it's more like a that's not how we want to remember them. And we don't want everyone to look it up and see this thing about see them that word every single time. Yeah. So that's really kind of like a safety net for the family's mental health, I think. Fourth, the last thing, the coroner's court will now have the power to set aside findings made under the 1958 and 1985 Coroner Act and reopen investigations if there's new facts and circumstances. Again, so, like a lot. Huge. <laughs> These are like the biggest things they could have changed. They literally could have just said the new law states Phoebe needs to be relooked into. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Literally what they're saying. So we just said like a lot of them are important. But the second one is really important because Coroner White said it was a suicide with no foul play. Right. But his own assistants and other people working with him said that you can't rule this as a suicide and you cannot rule out foul play like. No. Wait, the people that were working with him said this? Yes. Oh. His own assistant said this. You know what that reminds me of? 
What? In the archives, Dr. Death. (laughs) Go listen. And you'll understand why I feel this way and what I'm alluding to about assistance not doing things. But in this case, they wanted to do something, but they weren't able to. Well, now with the new acts, they can't. So it was able to let this be reopened, and that's where we stand now. Now, if you think that's all, I got something crazy (laughs) to fucking tell you guys. Holy shit. Y'all ready for this? I'm ready. Do I know what happened to Ant? Yes. All right. Well, in 2018, he started dating someone new. She was a 25-year-old model named Bailey Schneider. A few hours after Aunt and Bailey broke up on June 24th, 2018, she was discovered dead at her family home in Monty Ponds. A toxicology report showed that she had three times the legal driving alcohol limit. Heard that before. She had traces of cocaine in her bloodstream at the time of her death. And according to Bailey's father, only weeks before her death, a life insurance was taken out on Bailey by Aunt only for her to be discovered dead in the building with a gold cord wrapped around her neck and her body slumped against a kitchen cupboard. Her death is ruled a suicide by asphyxiation, but later was referred to by a homicide squad for further review in December. In the end, it was shown that there's no suggestion Aunt could have anything to do with this or could ever be involved in either woman's death. Okay, like, how (laughs) is this man so lucky? Like, how do I get this luck? Because, like literally there is evidence against him yeah and they're just like meh it wasn't him and i think back i don't know i i feel really stupid kind of saying this i don't know if another podcast once said this or if it was like part of like a fucking movie or (laughs) if it was like where i heard this but i heard if you ever want to kill someone and you want to get away with it kill someone that does drugs because you can use drugs to help make the whole concept of killing them easier. And no one's going to be shocked when they find drugs in this person's system. So already you're making it easier on yourself. And also you're having less of a chance of getting caught because people are used to seeing drugs in this person's system. Like if I murdered Kylie right now and they found a ton of sleeping pills and cocaine in her system, they're going to look into it. That'd right? be hilarious. That would be like, what the fuck? Be like, someone's going to look into that. Side note, I'm the most soberest person you'll ever, ever meet. Ever. But then like, you know, if Kylie murders me and they find a shit ton of like migraine medicine, schizophrenia medicine, like all this kind of stuff, they're not going to be like, oh, she was murdered. They're going to be like, okay, well, you know, like they're on these meds all the time normally. Like, They wouldn't think anything of it. And I don't remember where I heard that, but it's always stuck with me that I'm like, holy shit, they're fucking right. Not that you should murder anyone, but like, yeah, we're not advocating that. (laughs) Please don't go murder anyone. (laughs) But Bailey was a person that did cocaine and they did find cocaine in her system. So that wasn't weird. But she had triple the legal alcohol limit, which is exactly what Phoebe had. And again, it's just weird how this lines up. I don't know. Maybe I'm over speculating my steps here, but, you know, fuck the person that killed Phoebe. Yes, because she did not suicide. No. Whew. So that is 100 percent did not. Yeah. 
Well, like, literally, there's there's, <laughs> there's literally nothing that says no she didn't. way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if you or anyone you knew had any information, I don't think many of us were in Australia around 2010 to know much. But Phoebe's case is something that needs solved. And any and all help looking into this. There have been crazier things where like students were doing a report on serial killers and they ended up solving a 10 plus year crime, things like that by accident and stuff. You know, maybe someday this will just randomly get solved. That's like my goal. Is that one day something happens and it gets solved. I don't understand how. I just don't understand. Or like, what is it that? uh? Yes. The kids on the mountain in like Russia. What? That died. Oh, uh. Hold on. It's a hard word for me. Well, it's Russian. Yeah. The Dyatlov Pass. Yes, that. (laughs) Dyatlov. Like, we thought the Dyatlov Pass would never get solved because that was what, from like 50s, 60s or something like that? It's still a Yeti. And (laughs) what did you say? It's still a Yeti. (laughs) It's still a Yeti. Fuck off. (laughs) But supposedly, like two years ago, they think they genuinely solved it. Right. Thanks to the movie Frozen. We'll talk about that when we ever cover the Dyatlov Pass. Which will be really fun listening to Thena try to figure out how to speak Russian. I've tried saying those names for people and it's like a party trick that I just can't do. It's not good, guys. Don't give me overseas cases. Stop, like, requesting them. Someone already did request one and I was like, well, that's getting put on the fucking back burner. (laughs) (laughs) so that was a phoebe's case and everything we have for you obviously i i've been talking the whole time about a lot of the things i used i did read the inquest of death court documents i told you guys it's free it's online it's 83 pages long but 10 of them are just the autopsy so wild um I looked at Phoebe's family's website. I read that book, Into the Darkness, The Mysterious Death of Phoebe Hansduck by Robin Bowles. I also listened to the multi-part podcast, Phoebe Falls, which was started in December 16th, 2016. It's so fucking good. Really sad, though, because you do hear firsthand experiences from like Lauren and people like that. And it's it's sad. That's the one I told you where they're like as short as eight minutes and as long as 45 minutes. And you're like, excuse me. I mean, just, you know, cover what you need to. And that's cool, though, that they were kind of following it as it was going along. Yeah. And they've tried to keep it updated and tell people as much as they just genuinely can to keep the case alive. And just keep Phoebe's spirit alive, definitely to help try and get it solved, if nothing else, because we don't really know where it's at and what's happening with it. So, yeah, that's. Whew, that's tonight's big, big thing for you. It's a doozy. It was sure. a doozy. It takes a lot of energy out of you for that one just because it's so sad. It's not even. Yes, it's sad. I'm not saying it's not, but it is so frustrating because it's like that. You know, we always say like if police did their job or this person came up and said something like. 
even if maybe that person the witness would have came forward earlier maybe we could have found a lead maybe if we would have had that phone number in the pocket months earlier if the person was like hey there's a lot of police around my apartment maybe i should let them know about that guy i saw earlier or maybe the fucking guy from the delivery guy is like, oh, that's crazy. They actually canceled reservations. Maybe we could have solved and started putting more pins on the big ribbon board. Something, you yeah, know, something. I don't know. Maybe the CCTV footage. <laughs> There's so many that's what things I mean, like, that were just dropped. Here. Yeah. If the witness came up and was like, hey, this weird dude was in here. Um, we should look at the cameras for that. Yeah, they might have been able to uh, identify. Well, let us know what you guys think. Was it a suicide? Do you do you guys think that she's she unalived? I don't. I don't. I don't. If you think that she suicided, you can just stop listening to us. I mean, I can understand why some people do think Kurt Cobain maybe potentially did it. There's at least some things here and there that could almost almost sway you if you only know bits and parts. But any bit and part I learned about this, I'm like, there's no fucking way. There's literally nothing. this. Well, is- and you see, I accidentally posted it again. So you can go see it. Look at the freaking shoot, which we're going to post when we post these photos that you guys are going to see today. We're also going to post a lot more of them trying to crawl in. You can see the people. You can see what the shoot looks like. We're going to do it all. We're going to have a big post for this one. And you can go and double check it on the Instagram and everything and look. Which I guess that means we should close it out and say thank you and everything and tell them what the Instagram is. Right. Because we're just we're just beating a dead horse right now because we are upset. <laughs> we are. If you guys cannot tell, we want Phoebe's life to have justice and it has not yet. So thank you, Damon Vakovsky, for our theme song. We love it. We love you. Our artwork is done by Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. Did you see that picture he did um harry potter i think it was the other day yes so good the, was, all of those like portraits are really like i fucking haven't cool. done that good lately i'm like <sighs> what do you mean it's phenomenal he's his hardest critic and he damn, literally he is yes those are so freaking cool so good um our editing is by Corey at core.media.photography on instagram our little motorcycle man <laughs> of the house They are all a huge part of Cryptic Soup family, and we always want to thank them every single time. We're sorry if you guys get bored hearing it, but we got to thank them. You guys don't understand all the hard work they do for us and how many times we have them changing, (laughs) editing, remiss, mixing, mastering, changing everything we do. So And dealing with... you know, sometimes the and I don't agree on things. So, and so we make you redo it 94 and a half times. (laughs) It's fine. Don't forget to follow our Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod, where we're going to post those pictures. Um, where our DMs are always open for suggestions, so slide on in. Oh my god, my mom. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> my mom was doing something. I was visiting her the other day, and we were talking about something with the podcast. Because she was like, oh, did you know in the episode this, this and this? And she was like telling me things that she learned or that she knew since then. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. And she's like, yeah, I just figured I would just slide on in and tell you (laughs) that Kylie girl. She says the craziest things. (laughs) And I started laughing and I wanted to be like, yeah, no, like the first time we did that was like a joke. But then we couldn't stop because it's so funny. And now it's just like us. We literally couldn't do it without doing it. Yeah. (laughs) 
And my mom was just like, Kylie, she just says the darnest things. And I was like, stop, mom. It's hilarious. <laughs> so thank you guys for all your Apple podcast reviews, ratings, Spotify ratings. We love getting them. We love hearing your feedback. It's always really great for us also because it gets our name out there, things like that. It helps put us on like new listens for people and stuff because that's the goal is we want everyone to interact with this so that we can keep doing it forever. Uh, <laughs> forever. <laughs> but also so that we know what you guys do and don't like, what you want to hear, things like that, what we're improving on, changing. And it just, it helps us know we're doing a good job. It's like that little sticker on the spongebob episode and he needs the little sticker to know he's a good noodle guys tell me i'm a good noodle it's like it's like the stars that you used to get in kindergarten yeah it just makes you feel good okay literally that's why they're called reviews like star reviews they're stars yes. you, you, you star them or you don't star them if you hate them which i hope is not the case so remember guys <laughs> <laughs> to subscribe follow tune in keep up with us we'll see you for the next episode next tuesday should we tell them what it is should we surprise them what do you want to do I know what it is. Do you know what it is? No, I don't know what it is. Ah, well, it'll be a surprise. We'll see you next Tuesday. Stay tuned. But then the key fob. Oh, my God. Hold on. My tongue wing just fell out. But then other things I was not expecting at all whatsoever. Yeah, it happens. Doesn't look fun. It's not because your fucking tongue has a mind of its own. I keep telling it to like sit still in my head right? and it's like moving around. <laughs> it is a muscle. <laughs> it's like flinching. I'm like, just fucking stop. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. <laughs> well, I can tell when it's about to happen because all of a sudden it'll like clink against the side of my teeth and then I'll have to roll it down and catch it before I swallow it because I've swallowed plenty of tongue rings. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> swallowed a lot. Just ass shocked. What? What did it say? I was shocked as you guys. It's fine. I'm more dramatic than that. <laughs> it's called ad living. <laughs> no, I have to read it. <sighs> Ow. Do you want to know what it is? Ow. I, just, I mean, I think I know what it is. What do you think it is? No, like I... It's connected.